We begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, on this wonderful Sunday morning. What is your greatest fear? Are you thinking, did, you, did someone say, like, my spouse or something like that? So people were giggling, <laughs> giggling way too quick. So, okay, what, what is your greatest fear? Now, maybe we become, we become more subtle as we age, we have more experience, we're able to handle fears a little bit more, but, but my guess is on some level, every one of us has a greatest fear. Do you have it in your mind? Fear of heights, anyone? Okay, we got a few. Fear of public speaking? Okay, some of you, yeah, some of you are like, I, you, some of you didn't even want to raise your hand for that, that was a, even that was too much, uh, being a, uh, let's see, uh, fear of snakes? Yeah, got some, okay. Spiders? Yeah, okay. Uh, let's see, what am I missing? Other fears? Did you, fear of people? Is that? <laughs> yeah, so, okay. So everybody, I think probably on some level, all of us have different fears. Maybe you wouldn't label it a fear, maybe you'd call it an anxiety, maybe just something that you, you try to avoid. Um, my greatest fear always came out in repeated nightmares as a kid. I would have just this repeating nightmare over and over and over again. Uh, and I, I can never remember exactly the details, but it always consisted of, of me being lost in the woods and like not being able to find my family or my parents or anyone that loved me. So my, I, don't know, I don't know if that's a, if you can psychoanalyze me or what, what's going on there, um, but... but this just fear of being separated from the people that we love. Now, that may not have been the greatest fear that came up in your mind, but I think each and every one of us can understand the, the pain that comes with being separated from those we love, right? Uh, we think about that, that concept of being lost, right? Uh, of being apart. Truth is, I think that's pretty elemental to who we are as people, because God has created us as social beings to make connection. So when it is missing, it's painful. And when we see reunification, it's beautiful. Some have maybe seen this making the rounds over the last month or so. I'm going to let this video play. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to watch it and try to figure out what is happening in it. So I'll give you just a, a, a heads up. It is in Spanish. It takes place in uh, Buenos Aires, Argentina. But I think you might be able to figure out what's happening. So let's go ahead and watch yeah, that.
Okay. Do you know what was happening in that? Yeah. Yeah. So the little boy's name is Juan Cruz, and he was at an open-air market. This took place in Buenos Aires, um, and as kids would do, he, he got lost. He got separated from his mom and dad, uh, from the people that loved him. Uh, he was crying. He was in tears. And so uh, the crowd that was there in the marketplace figured out that this boy was lost, and they weren't going to allow that separation to continue. And so they all pitched in. The tallest guy in the crowd put Juan Cruz up on his shoulders so that Juan could look around and try to spot his dad. And then the whole crowd started chanting Juan's dad's name, which was Eduardo. Eduardo, right? So chanting the dad's name so that the dad would know that they had found his son. And when that didn't work, then you heard, as ba- this is what bands do because they're kind of prima donnas and divas, the band like stepped it up a notch, right? So the band created a song, right, about Eduardo, and it was Eduardo, uh, come and find Juan in Spanish, right? The reunion, right? It's a beautiful story about complete strangers, randomness, uh, um, a marketplace of people that, that came together in order to reconnect that boy with his father. Today, that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about the importance of not only connection to our Father, God the Father up above, but the incredible privilege it is to connect ourselves to other people as we journey through our lives to eternity. So that's going to be our theme today. We want to look at the importance of connection. Uh, And if you like points, if you like breakdowns, uh, we're going to look at three different areas. We want to talk about the need for connection, uh, our power for connection as believers, and lastly, uh, the practice of it, actually doing it, doing the hard work of connecting. So, uh, Our text today uh, is written in the book of Hebrews, so we're in the New Testament. And a little bit of background history just leading up to this. Um, the book of Hebrews was, was being preached to people that were, that were beaten down, that were persecuted, that were struggling, and that were suffering. I'll put it this way. The book of Hebrews was sent to and preached to people that had every reason to fragment and scatter to the ends of the world, right? Because they were believers and followers of Christ, they were suffering. They were persecuted. They had lost jobs. They would lose lives. So the writer to the Hebrews comes and, and reassures them. But the point of our text here today is the very end of that book. So he has laid out everything that God has done for them, right, and who Christ was. Chapter 13 kind of wraps it up. It's final encouragement to people that are tired, suffering, and and at times maybe on the verge of breaking. So we get to hear that very same encouragement. Because I think at times we can see ourselves in the lives of those believers. So let's jump into our text. I'm going to read for you the very first few verses Uh, Verses 1 through 4, just talk about the need for connection. It says this, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were there together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all. 
and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and the sexually immoral. So, a few things we want to pick out from the very first verses here. I'm going to back up one. But he starts out with this, keep on loving. So the writer to Hebrews is making an assumption of us already, of his listeners, that we have already started to love. And what's his encouragement? Yeah, do more of that. Just keep doing that, right? Keep on loving. Now, what's really fascinating about this is, uh, um, and this you'll see throughout the pages of Scripture, God consistently paints the picture of love within the pages of Scripture as an action, far more of an action than an emotion. And why is that important? Here's why. Because our actions and your habits and your behaviors shape your emotions and how you see things and how you feel. You understand that, right? So the things you choose to do, the things you choose to engage in or not do, the, the things you put into practice in your life, the, the ramifications of that will produce emotions, right? Feelings, all of those things. But here's the interesting thing. I think more often than not, when we think about love or loving, it says keep on loving one another, we, we almost instantly think in this terms of this, this feeling of love. Right? The writer of Hebrews says, in Christianity, in Christ, that's an action. That's something we are to put into practice. So he says, keep on loving. Put it another, another way. Do loving things. Act in a loving way. Be loving even when you don't feel very loving. <laughs> Act like you are loving, even at times maybe when you are struggling to feel that love. The writer of the Hebrews would say, don't stop doing it because actions lead to emotion and lead to blessing, right? So he says, keep on loving. And then it feels just a little bit disjointed in these four verses, right? Um, he says, keep on loving brothers and sisters. So you're thinking, okay, that, connect, that makes sense. We're talking about connection today. Brothers and sisters, I think in this context, he's talking about fellow Christians who are being persecuted for their faith. Okay, so we get that. We say, okay, keep loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. I got that. But then it feels almost a little bit disjointed because then the writer of the Hebrews jumps to show hospitality to strangers. So these are people you do not know. And imagine, for sure at that time, uh, letting someone into your house was a big deal, right? Hospitality was a big deal. So he says, show hospitality to complete strangers. Continues on, right? Remember those that are in prison and those that are being mistreated. And then he finishes with marriage and that connection. Now, it's just four verses and it might feel kind of like rapid fire. But the truth is, the writer of the Hebrews is covering the whole spectrum of human connection, isn't he? And on some level, he's not leaving anyone out. So he's saying, we ought to love one another, brothers and sisters in Christ, but you ought to keep on loving, to be loving to people that are complete strangers. You ought to keep on loving and be loving to those that are in prison and mistreated, that are on the outside looking in. And this one maybe at times is the hardest for us. Husbands and wives, be loving 
to one another, right? And that one maybe is a little interesting to us because we think, well, if I'm going to love anyone, it would be my spouse, it would be my family. But, and all of you know this, the people that you will show the most love to or feel the most love from are also the very same ones that you at times will hurt the most and feel the most pain from, right? So when the writer of the Hebrews says, be loving to husbands and wives, build family units that are loving between a husband and a wife, to kids, to grandkids, and family units, he's really covering the whole spectrum of human connection. Now, what's the point of that? We need human connection. You do. We do, right? In fact, on some level, we were absolutely built for it. Now, here's the problem. Almost every aspect of our American society urges us to, to be individualistic and on some level isolate. In the last 20 to 40 years, that's increased even more. Here's a few stats. Some of you have maybe seen these before. 1960, only 12, 13% of our society uh, were, were single, right? Um, only about 12, 13%. Uh, far end over here, so we are at about 12, 2018, I think is when this was done. Um, almost 28% of all households are single, right? So living alone on their own, right? That doesn't mean they don't have connection. doesn't mean they don't have friendships. Actually, what it does mean is that some of these connections that we are going to intentionally build are going to be different than maybe they were 20, 30 years ago. But our collective need for connection has not disappeared. Just where we're finding it is a little bit different, okay? Uh, Caroline Beaton said this about uh, the how society has been changing. It says, the general society, social survey found that the number of Americans with no close friends has tripled since 1985. Zero is the most common number of confidants reported by almost a quarter of those surveyed. Likewise, the average number of people Americans feel they can talk to about important matters has fallen from three to two. Mysteriously, loneliness appears most prevalent among millennials. Okay? Have you felt that? Right? An increased isolation. The reality of it is we have far fewer friends, far fewer confidants, and are far lonelier and more isolated than generations have ever been. Take a look at these stats here. Um, um, close circle of three to four confidants, larger circle of 12 to 15 friends. That used to be pretty much the standard. Do you know they sometimes describe us relationally like Legos? Like you only have a certain amount of blocks that you can plug in and then you just get overloaded. And, and if you're an introvert, you have like two blocks, right? If you're an extrovert, you're like, oh, I got 500 blocks. I can just fill people in, right? But the truth is, uh, um, we can't maintain relationships like to, to infinity, right? So let's say usually three to four confidants. So I would mark these as people that, uh, um, these are two, three a.m. type people, right? My car broke down. I'm in trouble. Please answer the phone. Come get me, right? Three to four, larger circle of 12 to 15 friends, Right? Average person in the 21st century, that's closed down. So a circle of only about two confidants and a larger circle with, regular, uh, with less regular social interaction, right? So 
instead of having three to four people you could call at 3 a.m., on average, we're down to maybe two. Some of you are thinking, I don't know if I even have one, and I don't know if my spouse would pick up the phone, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's shrunk down. Look to the very far right. What does this mean for us within Christianity and as a congregation? Uh, let's see. Many new Christians have no Christian confidants and a low number of regular socialization with other Christians. So um, let's say you have one or two people that you, are, you, that you would consider a confidant, that you would be willing to talk about significant things with. I don't just mean about the Broncos. I don't mean uh, about the weather. I don't mean about even just politics, but people that you'll talk about life and death with, that you'll talk about uh, um, struggle and emotion and depression, like these type of people, right? Most of us have one or two. And of those one or two, the likelihood that one or two actually share our faith in Christ is very, very low. So we ask ourselves a little bit, why is connection important to us? I think it is because that's how God's made us. I think it's even more important for us as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? To be able to have people that we can talk to about Christ and about faith, right? That connection is so important. So important, in fact, that the writer of the Hebrews said, don't stop doing it, <laughs> right? Don't stop connecting. Don't stop building. Don't stop reaching out to one another, okay? So that's our first point. We have an incredible need for connection. Both believer and unbeliever alike, everyone in this world absolutely does. So we have to ask ourselves, okay, where do we find our power for connection? What makes Christianity or being a Christian unique or different in comparison to the world? So our next uh, selection here, I'll read from verse 5 and 6. It says this, Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So, where does our power for connection come from as believers? Ultimately, it comes from our God above, right? It comes from Christ who is willing to enter our world to connect with us, with our world, only to be isolated, cut off, right? Set aside from his God above. So our power as believers, our desire for connection to one another comes from no other place than Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. So this is irregardless of what friends or confidants you might have. Uh, this is irregardless of if you are an introvert or an extrovert. The connection we have, the assurance we have that you have is that you have a Lord and Savior that has bridged that gap and made that connection to you. He did that through the sacrifice of his own body on the cross. The Apostle Paul talks about that in Ephesians 2. He says this, Remember that at, the time, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So here's what that is saying, is that we have been 
we, we have been brought near to our God above and your relationship to your God has been repaired. Not because you're so good at connecting or not. Not because uh, um, you hide yourself away or you, you have a million friends. But because of Christ. That connection between us and God above is secure because of Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. Your value is assured no matter the size of your friend list or not. Because you know you have Christ. Because you know that that connection to Him is sound. So, we have a need for connection. Our power to connect. I would argue the power to do what the writer to the book of Hebrews tells us to keep doing comes from no other place than Jesus. Right? Be loving to one another. That flows out of Christ and how He loved us. Okay? So, need for connection, our power for connection. Last one, we talk a little bit about the practice of connection. I'll read verses 7 and 8 for you. It says this, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. What is the writer of the Hebrews saying? He said, put this into practice. But you can learn from those around you and those that have come before you. In fact, on some level, I I find this one of the most beautiful parts of Scripture. Um, He says, consider. This isn't mindless. This isn't thoughtless. He says, consider, right? right? Talk about your faith. Understand the Bible. Understand Christianity and how it fits in the, the, the spectrum of what the world may offer. And understand and consider that within Christianity and that concept of grace and forgiveness, you find a far more beautiful truth than you will find anywhere else. And so he says, consider. He says, pause. Ask questions. Understand. And the second part is, um, Watch. And imitate, right? The power of, of mentoring, the power of watching those who have come before us, of being able to see in their lives how they have done things, uh, not only triumphs, but also tragedies and mistakes. The writer of the Hebrews says, put that into practice. Watch those that have come before you, right? Practice it. Uh, Someone once said that we are a society that, that is, is um, apt to just try to stumble upon all the right things. This is true, especially when we talk about a sense of community and maybe connection. And even if we use that terminology of friendships and relationships that we're talking about here today, right? Um, I think we are, we, are, we are sold on this idea that if we look hard enough, and you search long enough, and you try enough things, you're going to stumble upon um, just the most amazing community that you'll ever find. That just out there, around the corner, is a workplace that you're going to love. And they're going to respect you there. And you're going to feel purpose in your job. That out there, just just around the corner, you're going to find that perfect relationship. That, that, perf- that person that's going to, going to, you know, fill you and fulfill you, right? That just right over the next block, you're going to find a church 
And it's going to be the exact one that you were looking for. And the exact one that fills all the needs that you ever had and that you hoped for. Truth is, that's not accurate, is it? Because some of the best things in your life came through a lot of work, didn't they? Right? Not just necessarily being discovered. And yet we get sold on that idea that if we can look hard enough and long enough, we will stumble upon community. But it's simply not the case. And what do we see in ourselves and in our society? We jump from job to job. We jump from relationship to relationship. At times from church to church. uh, From community to community. Always searching for what's at the end of that rainbow. But seldom ever finding it. You want to know why? That's not how it works. Because community is built, right? Is community isn't found, it's built. It's the hard work that we put into it, right? And that means that it's not going to be perfect. That means that there's going to be sin. That means that there's going to be mistakes. And that we, at times, even sometimes, will try to tear down that community. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, um, famous pastor, theologian during Nazi Germany, said this, Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. You know what he's saying. He's saying that this is our tendency, that we try to find something that's going to fill every single need that I have and to heck with everybody else. And if it doesn't, if everything doesn't fit totally in line, there must be something wrong with it. Let's tear it to pieces. We know that because we've felt that at times and been in communities where that has happened. But we go back to the writer of the Hebrews and what does he say to us? Do the hard work of building community, right? Not found, but built. Conversation by conversation, person by person, actually showing up live and in person, as wonderful as all of our connectivity is, actually coming as a living, breathing body to a location. It's amazing what happens and what God does with that, right? Right? There's a difference between contacts, just having contacts and a friend list, and actual connection. You have lots and lots of contacts, and we try to contact you as a congregation about what's going on, but what we really want is actual connection and community, right? Okay, so community isn't found, it's built. Tell me this, I'm dating myself today. Tell me where this comes from. Should I just let it keep going? Yeah, these guys are like, yeah, just let it keep going, yeah. Yeah, yeah, what was it? Theme song to cheers here. We gotta go back one more time. We just gotta do the first verse or the first line. I almost don't want it to stop. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, this is a side note, but my ringtone on my phone, like, you know, your ringtones go off so often that some, I get annoyed by it at some point, so I'll do a ringtone. 
And I, but it would ruin all the songs that I would attach to my ringtone because then I'd always think of that song as like just notification after notification. Uh, so my ringtone now is the Cheers theme song. So it cheers me up every time I hear it. I'm like, oh, someone wants to connect. So yeah, that's from, that's from the show Cheers, right? And the most famous person on the show Cheers is Norm, right? So we all know his name, don't we? Is a church, a community of believers, will it look like the bar at Cheers? You're like, huh, I think maybe I'd like it to. <laughs> Never really thought about that, right? It's a good question, right? Um, everyone knew Norm's name. When he came in, everyone knew him. But the truth is, did you ever notice in the bar there's never more than like 12 to 15 people, right? Because that's the reality for us, isn't it? We simply can't maintain relationships much larger, larger than that. So what implications does that have for us as a congregation? Here's what it means. Um, and some of you maybe want this, but it means when you come on a Sunday morning, everyone probably won't yell out, Norm. <laughs> You could put it on your name tag. That's fine, right? That probably won't happen because we have too many people. And so maybe everyone doesn't know your name, but here's what we do pray happens here at CVL, and it only happens because we choose to do it. Maybe not that everyone knows our name, but that everyone knows someone's name, right? That you're able to come to a congregation, you're come to a group of people where someone knows your name and you know their names, I think that's incredibly important in this day and age. I think we're desperate for that connection. We find it here, connected to our Lord and Savior above and connected in Christ, right? Our screen kind of went black. That final, that opening story of Juan, that connection back to his dad. We love it. It's good news, maybe even brings a tear to our eye. But that same connection is what we have in Christ and our Father above, right? An intimate connection to Him that our sins are forgiven. And that empowers and that encourages our desire to connect to one another. I pray the Lord blesses us as we do it, as we do the hard work of building relationships, of learning each other's names, finding out about people's lives, and continue building those connections. Amen.